question for you. Have you ever made a questionable choice? Yeah, I think the, that is, that's an easy answer, isn't it? We've all, we've all kind of made that decision where afterwards, maybe immediately afterwards, we were like, no, that was not wise. Um, maybe it was something as simple as like your wardrobe tonight. I, I'm wearing new plaid, everyone, new plaid. And it was a risk to, to take out and get a new color I don't wear. And so I wore it out of my bedroom for the first time thinking, I wonder if this is a good choice. And one of my daughters looked at me and said, Dad, your shirt is the color of mustard. And then she kind of realized what she, and she's like, well, I mean, it's not, it's not bad. I'm just going to have to get used to it. it was, that's nice. That's nice. Maybe a questionable choice. Sometimes you walk into a movie thinking, hey, I heard good things about this. And halfway you're like, no. Oftentimes you'll eat something and have regrets. A couple weeks ago, I was desperate for food, stopped at a gas station and bought a sandwich. Just don't ever do that. Those aren't good choices. And I know that Jesus is perfect. I know everything he did was perfect. Everything he said was perfect. But there are still things that he did and said where I wondered, is that really the best? Like, I've got questions about why you did that. I've got some questions about why you would have said something like that. We're going to look at one of those passages tonight if you've got your Bibles with you. It's found in the book of Mark, chapter 1. And the questionable decision that he makes is who he invites to be his disciples. We read about it. Verse 16 says, One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. And a little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. And he called to them at once. And they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. Tonight we're going to talk about that choice, about who Jesus invites to be a part of this adventure in following him. Let me pray for us. Jesus, you're good and we're glad that you're here. And it's you that we want to hear from tonight. And so we pray that you would speak to us in this place, Jesus. God, we thank you for all the kids that are here tonight, for all the families that are represented, and the way that they helped lead us in worship was awesome. What a gift to to be able to even just go to a church that has kids. Uh, It's a blessing, and so we're grateful for them. And uh, we just pray that you would move in this place tonight. We've got a lot to celebrate. And so we pray that we'd hear from you, that you would speak to us, that you would move in this place. We pray it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, well, how are we doing today? Good? You glad to be in church? It's awesome, and uh, it's good to see you here tonight. And again, we want to say hi to everyone at our South Campus who is watching at the Cineplex right now. Good to have you guys with us as well. You look good today. I I think. I think you do, and I don't know that. Uh, And we got kids everywhere with us today, which is awesome. Crosspoint kids, where are you at? Can you say hi? Can you wave? Can you cheer for me? Nice. You guys are just like the adults in that. That's good. It's good. I was hoping for some energy tonight. No. Um, anyway, it's good to have them with us. It's obviously our family service. And we have been talking about home. We've been talking about family for over a month now. And we thought this would be a really good way to wrap up the series. And now we know full well that it's going to be chaotic. 
All right, so if you're, if you're visiting tonight, if this is your first ever time at Crosspoint, you thought, this will be the great weekend for me to check out Crosspoint. It still is. It's just not always like this. And so uh, we're excited about this tonight. Kids, uh, what, let's get all of our wiggles out. Do you want to do that? Sometimes this is really helpful. Stand up. Maybe adults need to do this too. And we're just going to like shake. Let's just get all the wiggles out. All the squirmies, shake them out of your arms. If you need to yell, if you need to do whatever you need to do, get it all out of your system. Awesome. Sometimes that actually backfires really badly. Sometimes my wife will be like, hey, you should go put the kids to bed, which to me means let's run around and get them tired. And they're actually just like more amped up. And then I get scolded and it's great. Um, so let's talk about families tonight, because like I said, it might get a little messy. It might get a little chaotic in here. It might be loud. And that's OK. In fact, that's exactly what we want to talk about today, that families are just like that, aren't they? Family is messy, family is chaotic, family can be loud. There are no perfect families. No one here tonight came from a family that was always quiet and always neat and tidy and always perfect, always said the right things, did the right things. Every family has had their moments. Every family has had their doozies, right? So just to, just to help us understand that we're all in good company today and at the South Campus as well, I, I want to do a little quiz with us, and I want you to answer these questions. You raise your hand or say yes. Kids, if your parents don't answer, you can answer for them if you think that they're lying to me, okay? How many families right now, if I were to walk into your kitchen, have dishes in your sink? Yeah. See? Fantastic. Um, how many parents, if we were to show up and visit you tonight, would shut your bedroom door because it's a mess? Oh, I already feel blessed tonight. This is great. How many families had an argument this week in their family? Yep, some of that was going on. Uh, how many kids have super messy bedrooms? That's all ages kids. How many kids in the room tonight have ever spilled their drink all over the table? How many adults have ever spilled their drink all over the table? Exactly. Any parents have to do any kind of discipline with their children this week? Yeah, any kids get in trouble this week? Not many hands, that's good. Uh, here's, here's one where I'm gonna call out the parents. How many parents have ever let their kids decorate the tree and then went and undid it all after the kids went to bed, right? Yeah, we know who you are. Uh, how many families live in the kind of house where your Christmas tree has actually just fallen over entirely before? Pets, kids, whatever it is. <laughs> I feel so good today. This is great. See, family life is messy. It's chaotic. It's loud. Not every family is perfect. Every family has kind of gone through their moments and had their things that have happened, kids and adults alike. And that's okay because what I want to talk to about tonight, today, is how God still chooses and uses real people from real families going through real issues. They've made real mistakes. They're going through real problems. God looks at those people and says, follow me. He looks at those people and he says, you can be in my family. And that's good news for all of us. So how many kids here, you used to think, maybe you still do, that mom and dad are perfect? Yeah, no, no, okay, a couple of hands. Parents who paid your children. Right? There, there's, you get to that point when you're growing up where it kind of dawns on you like, mom and dad don't have it all together. Sometimes I think they're just pretending and they are. They are. Right? And, and, and then you look back and you realize, wait a minute, you're like grandma and grandpa don't have it all together. 
They made some mistakes back in the day. And you can keep going all the way back through the line. And what you'll discover is that your entire family, since the dawn of time, has had issues. They've made mistakes. They've been full of people who have done things that weren't necessarily always the best choice. In fact, there are only two people who ever walked on the planet that, other than Jesus who were perfect, and it was Adam and Eve, and they lasted like seven minutes tops. And it was all over after that. Um, it's kind of fun to look back through your family tree and realize some of those things. How many of you have ever explored your family tree kind of in any detail? I love this stuff. Found out that there was a person on the brewer side of our family that looked way, way back, and, and they went through our family tree. And so um, you'll be surprised that there are people on the brewer side. We didn't just start in Burt's Corner, New Brunswick. Right? That's not where we... You can actually have to go BBC, which is before Burt's Corner, and you can go way back. And, and, and the, the furthest back that someone got for us was in 1620 in Cologne, Germany. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. It's how it's spelled. It's how I'm saying it. And it was a guy named Adam Brauer Berkhoven. Everyone say Berkhoven, because that's, that's just fun. And Adam in 1620 was born, and he became a worker with what was known as the West India, um, Dutch West India Company, and it was a trading company, and they were responsible for doing trade from, from Germany and Europe all the way to the Caribbean and North and South America, and so as part of his job, he actually ended up moving to Brazil, and then from Brazil, he worked his way up into New York City, and with his business partner in Brooklyn, they built a flour mill. And there in New York City is where he fell in love and had a child uh, in 1672 named Nikolai Adams Brower. So he got rid of the Berkhoven, which is disappointing. And I can only assume that through the generations, all these kind of New York, Boston accents turned Brower into Brewer. And that's what they started saying. They just changed it, and it became Brewer. And then we just kept moving more north. Thank you for that laugh, children. I like it that you're here. And, and they just get more north until eventually they landed in Burt's Corner, which is a little Brooklyn, Burt's Corner. I mean, we, we could have stayed. That would have been fine by me, but it's okay. And uh, that, that's kind of my dad's dad's side of the family. My dad's mom's side uh, goes back to England. Someone actually traced it back to 1515. And, and this is an Estee side of the family. It starts with a guy named Jeffrey Estee in 1515. Apparently every Estee in New Brunswick comes from this one, this one family. So if you're an Estee, hey, we're pals. And a um, couple generations after that, actually, true story, one of those family members, her name was Marytown Estee. I don't know how to say this because there's children present, but she went on trial at Salem. You know what I mean? And it got heated, right? That is my great-grandmother times six. That, she's in my family tree. That is the coolest thing ever. That is amazing. She turned me into a newt. That is awesome. Right? It, <laughs> yes. it doesn't matter how far back you go, you know that there are people in your family tree, all of them, who've got some issues, they've got a past, they've got a story, they did some things. Nobody is perfect. No family is perfect. We don't have to pretend like our families are perfect. Isn't it so freeing when you go over to another family's house and, and just like there's no expectation for perfection and everyone can just be themselves and, and your kids are running rampant and it's just, isn't it just feel good? But it's okay to be that family. That church should be that family. 
where you can walk in and know, all right, no one here is perfect. We're all a little bit messy. It's a little bit loud and chaotic, and that is a-okay. God's family tree is just like ours. Jesus' family tree is full of crazy people who did awful things. Uh, it's actually in the Bible. Some historian went back, named Matthew, and, and found their family tree. It's Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 1. This is how the New Testament begins, right? Like, we're, it's been silent for hundreds of years, and finally, the New Testament dawns. And what do they choose to begin with? This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah. And it goes on to say, a descendant of David and of Abraham. And Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was the father of Jacob, and Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Anyone remember Father Abraham? Right? This is it, not in song form, but this is it right here. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, and Perez was the father of Hezron, and Hezron was the father, and we could just go on and on and on. Hezron is a good name. If, if anyone in here is pregnant, great name option for you right there. And you know what's great about this family tree? Again, all of these people, all of them, if you research them, did some stuff, made questionable choices. In fact, it starts with David. And David did awesome things for God, right? David killed a giant. David was a good king. It's like, woo, David also did some very bad things that we're not even allowed to talk about tonight. Because this is rated G. In the Old Testament, none of it is rated G. But he, he made some questionable choices in his marriage and in his work and with his actions. And, and it wasn't really good. And, and Jesus' family tree starts with David. David still leads us to Jesus. And, and then it goes on and, and we talk about Abraham. And Abraham was a guy, he was old and him and his wife, all they wanted to have was kids. And they were never able to have kids. And God was like, just be patient. Just trust me, someday you're going to have kids. But Abraham couldn't wait. And so again, I can't talk about it. But he made some questionable choice. It's hard to talk about the Old Testament on family service day. But he did some things that weren't great. It's actually a great reminder. This is why we do kids' church. So that we can talk about the Bible at our level. But you know what? It's not just about getting rid of the kids downstairs. They're learning about Jesus at their level. It's a win-win. Right? It's not that we ever want to separate you from your kids for church. It's we get to talk Jesus, they get to talk Jesus, and everyone kind of has that best case scenario. Don't ever sit, think, oh, they just want to put the kids downstairs to keep them quiet. No, we want them to see Jesus. Side note. So Abraham's in the family tree. Isaac's in there, and Jacob's in there. Rahab is in there. All these people are real people who made some real big mistakes and did some questionable things. They, they all had some some dishes in their sink. There's our euphemism right there. They all had some dishes in the sink. And they all lead us to Jesus. They all make that family tree as if to say, hey, all of us point to the savior of all mankind, which is fitting. Next week we start talking Christmas, which is really the story about how this boy comes from a broken family into a broken world, but so he can heal all of us. Jesus' family tree wasn't perfect. You don't have to be perfect and clean and shiny for Jesus to choose you and for him to use you. He, he'll choose and use any of us, all of us. In fact, this is our, our passage that we just read. Jesus, in, in Mark chapter 1, he's walking along the shore and, and he sees Simon Peter. He says, hey, you should come follow me. And he just drops his nets and does. And, and then they walk a little bit further on and James and John are there and hey, you guys should follow me. And they just do. 
They, they just start walking and you think, well, that's kind of a, you know, doesn't sound like a lot happened there other than these guys had a, you know, a work change. But what Jesus does here is, is he kind of just, he hands them like a fishing rod. Right, I brought my fishing rod with me tonight. Of course, I kept it way down here in the corner where the camera can't see me, but maybe South Campus can still hear me. All right, I brought my fishing rod. It actually has a thing on it. I have no idea what I was fishing for on that thing. It didn't work. And so Jesus is saying, you guys have got your nets, and you're casting these nets trying to catch a whole bunch of fish. And I just picture he kind of hands my rod and says, let's go fish for people. Let's go do a different kind of fishing. And we're going to go catch some people. I'm going to stab someone with this. I'm going to put this down. And he hands them a fishing rod and says, I pick you to be on my team. I pick you to be one of my disciples, to be a part of this crazy adventure. He goes to them and picks them on purpose to start the church. And, and obviously they do a decent job because 2,000 years later on the other side of the planet in a little place called Marysville, there's a, you know, 150 people here to hear about Jesus. So it worked. He knew what he was doing. But if you go back and look at that moment, you got to think like, what? What were you talking? What were you doing, Jesus? Because this is kind of crazy who he picked. He could have picked anybody. He could have he taken resumes. He could have looked at references. He could have picked the best of the absolute best. And he picks these guys. All right, have you ever been in gym class? Kids, I don't know if they still do this or not. And, and you had to pick teams. And so there's captains and they're like, I pick you and I pick you. That might be too mean for 2016. I'm not sure they do that anymore. But I remember in gym class where people, someone would end up getting picked last. Right? It was never me. Sports. It's, no. Um, but it's kind of what it feels like. Jesus could pick anyone. He, he could look out there and just, I want you to be a disciple. He's only got 12 choices. Don't you think that he would have wanted to made them really, really good choices? And he goes to these fishermen. And he asks them. See, fishermen meant that for Jews, it meant that you were bad at school. It meant that you couldn't get a better job. They all had to go to Christian school. Right? They, had, they had to grow up in, in, in Christian school and learn the Bible. And the really smart guys were, would go on to become Pharisees. They would be priests. They would be pastors, the teachers, and all the leaders. And all the other people kind of get the, the blue-collar, messy, work-with-your-hand jobs. So, so fishermen, they, they were kind of like the rough, gruff, unkempt. They, they were like bearded, ripped jeans, like... <laughs> <laughs> quick-tempered, boisterous, miserable, bad-word personalities. And so Jesus picks them. And you look at who he picked. He calls James and John. They're referred to as the sons of thunder. Right? The Bible never says why, but you can put it together. You know why? Because they're loud. We learned that these guys are really loud, opinionated, brash personalities. These are the guys who they argue about who's the best disciple. It's James and John. Who's better? I'm better. No, I'm better. What are you doing? And then they fight each other. That was James and John. That was the sons of thunder. And Jesus is like, guys, we're not rating each other on a disciple scale. And at one time, they were actually in a village, and the villagers weren't nice to Jesus. And they were like, do you guys want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy all of you? No. no. <laughs> right? Who does that? James and John. Sons of thunder. Fishermen, not smart guys, but you know what? They end up being two of Jesus' closest friends. 
In fact, John becomes the one, the disciple known as the one that Jesus loved. He built the church on those guys. They go on to do incredible things for God's kingdom. And then you get to Simon Peter, and this guy was something else also. He had a lot of dishes in his sink too. And, and Peter, he had a knack for saying like things would come out of his mouth before they were filtered through his head. Right? You know those times when you just kind of say something, and then after it's out, you're like, mm, shouldn't have. Can't put it back in. Too late now. Right? But Peter did that all the time. How many of you have ever done that? Said something? Sometimes it's completely innocent. Sometimes you don't even mean to do it. I was getting coffee one time, very recently, and uh, the lady was like, here's your coffee. And I said, thanks, you too. <laughs> like, said it as I'm driving away. Like, oh, good, good. Awkward moment. Um, also a true story, one time I was on the phone with Bell customer representative, and she was helping me with something I was trying to figure out. And when we hung up, she was like, well, thank you, have a great day. I was like, yeah, love you too, bye. <laughs> love you too, Bell. <laughs> nope, nope, but at that point, too late. I had hung up the phone, it was over. Sometimes it just, you say things before you thought of what it is you were trying to say. Peter was a master at this. Peter did this all the time, just said the, the dumbest, worst things. In fact, one time Jesus got so frustrated with Peter, he called him Satan. I know, boys and girls, that's not nice. You should do all of the things Jesus did, except that one's not great. But he's Jesus, so he's allowed. He, he got so mad at Peter. And in fact, and then he goes on to say, Peter, you know what? The day is coming that you're going to deny me. You're going to deny that you ever knew me. You're going to pretend like we were complete strangers. And Peter, of course, is furious. He's like, I'll never do that to you. I will never deny that we've met. And 10 minutes later, someone's like, hey, do you know Jesus? Don't know the guy. Never met him. Right? And, and then someone else comes along and they're like, no, nah, no, you're, you're with Jesus. You're one of his disciples. I've seen you together. And Peter's like, no way. Must have been my, like my brother, Peterson's. Peter Peterson's. Right? I'm not. I'm a chef or something, right? Like, you had the wrong guy. And then he does it three times. He denies knowing Jesus completely. And yet Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, your name means rock, and on this rock I'm going to build my church. He looks at Peter after all of his bad decisions, all of his unfortunate choices, and he says, I choose you to build my church with. And you know what? He still does that. He still looks at people who are like James and John. He still looks at people who are like Peter that have made some bad decisions, made some poor choices, and he looks at all of us and he says, I want you to go fish for people with me. I choose you. Take this. Go be a part of my work. Be a part of my kingdom. Be a part of this adventure. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've said. I can fix all that. I'm here to change all of that. But I want you to be a part of this. It's pretty wild. We are the ones who disqualify ourselves, aren't we? We're the ones who convince ourselves that we're not good enough to do it, that we're, I'm, I'm not smart enough, I, I'm not, I don't have enough Bible knowledge, I'm not outgoing enough, I just don't have what it takes to be a, a big part of God's kingdom. And he looks at every one of us and he says, no, I want you to follow me. The people that feel the least qualified, He's got a pretty messy family, doesn't he? He does, because we're in it. We're his family. 
And sometimes it is messy. Sometimes we make bad decisions and we make poor choices. And he says, I still believe in you. I still believe in your ability to do great things for the kingdom. And so parents, don't, don't get frustrated and disillusioned that your family is messy, that you make poor choices, that you botched it, that you yelled at your kids or that your house is a mess. Or <laughs> Jesus looks at you and he says, you know what? I believe in your family. I believe in your ability to lead your family. I gave you those kids. So I trust you with them. You can do this, right? And kids, don't get discouraged ever thinking that you're not good enough to do something great for God's kingdom because you totally can. Not even just when you grow up, now. You're capable now of doing great things for Jesus and he calls you to be a part of his family and to do incredible things for him. Right? And, I, and I want you guys to know, kids and parents alike, that he looks at us and he calls us his masterpiece. That's how he refers to us in the Bible. A, a masterpiece. And so I want you guys to know that we believe that kids are church now. Kids aren't just the church of someday, of later. Right? These kids, and what they are, right? all these kids who are up here, they might be leading us in worship in a few years. They, they might be leading kids ministry for us in a few years but they're still a part of the church now and they still let us in worship today. In fact, some of those kids actually help out in kids' ministry every week. They're, they're the church now. See, sometimes we think that we're the ones that are supposed to teach our children, but Jesus reminds us that actually we can learn quite a bit from the kids. Um, Matthew 19, 13 says, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so we could lay hands on them and pray for them, but the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. You can picture this, right? Like little Peter Peterson gets away from his mom and he runs up and jumps on Jesus' lap and he's starting to like tug his beard and he's like, do a magic trick and all this stuff. And the, the parents are like super embarrassed and the disciples are angry and just get these kids out of here. And the only adult who wasn't lame in that entire story was Jesus who was loving the whole thing. And he says this in verse 14, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. Did you catch that? The kingdom of heaven is like the children. Right? So sometimes as parents, we're worried about what our kids are going to be like when they grow up. And I want my kid to grow up and be just like, well, maybe, maybe not me or whoever you are or whatever. We want them to grow up and be like someone. And Jesus is kind of like, actually, some of you adults need to grow down and be more like your kids. Sometimes they have it more together, and they get it better than we do, don't they? We can learn from kids. They're not just up here with us today so that, that they can learn from us. We can learn from them. And the joy that these kids have and the faith that they have, that they just believe. They just believe Jesus at his word. They hear a Bible story, and they're like, that's true, and I believe it, and it can happen. That's awesome. Maybe we need to be more like children. Jesus knew all along kids were way easier to work with than parents. So see, sometimes the messiness and loudness of a family, it's, man, the, the message that you get sometimes for yourself is just to clean up and calm down. But Jesus reminds us that, no, in the middle of that mess, I can do some incredible things. And I've got a plan for all of you in that family. No matter who you are or what you've done, no matter how messy it seems to get, Jesus can choose you and use you, and he wants you to be in the family. He hands you a fishing rod and says, join me in doing this. Let's all be part of this adventure together. So, 
what we're going to do right now, which is awesome, the band is going to come, and uh, we're actually going to baptize people tonight. But you know what's fantastic about this? Is we're baptizing a family tonight. We're going to baptize a mom and a dad and one of their children. And you know what I love about this story? Is that this started with one of the children inviting dad to church. And now dad's getting baptized. All right? So let the children come to me because sometimes they know the way. Sometimes they know what they're doing. And so be encouraged tonight, families, that God is with you. He's got a plan for you. He can use you even in the midst of what seems like a chaotic life. He's good and he's for us. And he, he invites all of us to be a, a part of his family. Amen? Amen. Amen.